yo, yo, man. What's up? What's good, guys? We're finally back. We've been ice. We've been on ice for too long. A nice little hiatus. But shoot. Oh. Man's mic broke over there. Oh. Um, man, we've we've taken a nice long break from Enlightened Brothers podcasting. Actually, I won't say it's nice because man. Oh, how I've missed this. Yeah. Uh, plenty of factors. Stale yeah, plenty of lately. factors contributed to less enlightened brothers, uh, whether it being testing, schooling, people being out of town, stuff you got to do. Mm -hmm. Emery's in the school working on a talent show. I was gone for six days. Um, we recorded a skit for the previous recorded episode. This was supposed to be episode 21. I don't know which one we're uploading first. Um, so if we end up uploading this episode before episode, what we thought would be episode 20, um, then you're just going to have to deal with it because we talked the last episode like it was episode dang 20. All yeah. right. Whatever. But well, we, we still have to give it a number. So, yeah, we're just going to say episode. Hmm. Episode, yeah. uh, baby. Episode, uh. episode, uh, yeah. baby. Let's get Let's into it. Go. Yeah. All right. So we got a lot of stuff going on today, man. Um, Lots of stuff in the physics world that has mm -hmm. been happening over the past few weeks that I haven't been able to talk about. We have a guest today. As you can see, we have a third chair right here. And we're but this, also, oh. Before yep. we get to that, yeah. this episode is going to be a little bit different of a guest episode because our guest, Mike, has um, ran its course, people. Yeah, it patooed. Yeah, it doesn't work anymore, so me and Emery are going to have to pull some money together and... Uh, we're gonna Top have to another buy another one of these. Bad yeah, boys. we're gonna have to get another of these quality mics that we Samson's. have. Yeah, the, nice. the other mic is just ran its course. So this episode, if there are any audio problems, man, we apologize for it. But we gotta get the content out. We there. have to get the content out there. Not only we have an absolute special guest today, and he will overcome all of the audio challenges we have. So before we bring in our special guest, um, you know, I spent most of my life wanting to go to the NBA. I spent most of my life as an athlete and what athletes have classically done on their signing day or whenever they made a decision, they would place a series of hats in front of them, talk about each school, and then decide one of the schools that they're gonna go to and it's all publicized and everybody's cheering, yada, yada, yada. So I decided to take fate to my own hands. Um, where I lack in my uh, athlete dreams, I um, have done times 100 in my academic uh, dreams. So I'm going to make this dream a reality, and I'm going to do this today. Mm -hmm. So in a few seconds, you're going to see some hats appear right here, and I'm going to make my official college decision on the Enlightened Brothers. And so am I and the guest that we oh, have. Yeah. Special so the, oh, yeah. So everybody else is making their decision today too? Yeah. All right. Well, then, hey. It's a party. Let's go. All right. So a little error in our planning part, but instead of going straight to may me making our college decisions, because it's going to be me first, Emery, then our guest. But before we do that, we're going to bring our absolute special guest in first. You're not going to come in from that side. You're going to come around from this end. Um, but before we bring our guest in, man, let's say a few words about our man here. What can man. we say about our guest without saying who our guest is? My favorite lactose intolerant. 
favorite milk boy. Milk. Some people call him the milkman. Some people call him Egg the to- <laughs> Eggmeister, Eggman. the toxic killer, Doctor Robotnik. Oh, <laughs> um, I can I can absolutely certainly say this is the most interesting <laughs> lactose intolerant human in the world. <laughs> um, but in all seriousness, um, an absolutely great friend. Uh, somebody who I see um, connecting with and us being friends for in the far future. Um, one of the greatest people in the entire world, man. Let's come in. Mr. Turk Nasty himself, Jacob Uwema. Wait before you say anything. Since we have a microphone issue, um, we're going to do a little bit of flip-flopping between me holding the mic and uh, us setting up the mic. So we're not going to do a mic pass, okay? That would be kind of corny because we want to just all talk. Yeah. So right now I'm going to place this mic in between both of us. But uh, Turk, man, how you doing? Doing good. Feeling good. Yeah, man. So this is our friend from school. Uh, his uh, Wait, can we say your full name on the pod? Yeah. Okay, Jacob Uwema. But uh, that's, he was on the basketball team with me. So um, over that time, he gained the nickname uh, Jake the Turkey, and then it went to Turkey, and now it's just Turk for short, man. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're going to hear me call him Turk during the show. But look, what, should we? Should he introduce himself first, or should we get to college and he'll do it at the, all at the same time? What do you think? Well, we can't know what college he's going to without knowing who Jacob is. All right, so we're going to ask the infamous question that I ask every single guest that comes on the Enlightened Brothers podcast. Jacob, who are you? I'm Jacob, Jacob Urema. Um, you know, I used to be a hooper back in back in the day, but yeah. now I'm just focused on school. You know, mm. yeah. I'm trying to become a doctor. Okay, I want to be the best best doctor I can be and impact okay. many lives. Uh, sure, you, are you sure of what field of profet like what doctor, what kind of doctor you're going to be or no? No, no, I'm not sure yet. I've been considering um, what our past one of your past guests has been considering. Could you on? All right, awesome. Neuro, yeah. neuroscience, neuro, yeah, neurosurgery. Yeah. All right. Okay. But I don't know yet. You know, there's a lot of a lot of things out there I can do. Word. So. Yeah, man. Well, look, potential's endless. Regardless so. of what you choose, a doctor's a doctor. You're gonna yes, be helping sir. people. Mm-hmm. That's what we like to hear. Yes, sir. Look, man, this is the hardest episode in Enlightened Brothers history, just for the fact that. Man, we're functioning with like just two mics for three people. Mm-hmm. This is uh, a truly a, a child podcast, right? But um, man, I say let's just get into it. Let's get into the college decisions because we have a packed episode later on past the college decisions. And we've been um, hinting at it for a couple episodes now. I know the people have been wondering. Oh, yeah, man. We, well, yeah, we'll people have been wondering. Uh, people ask me at school. I haven't really been telling them. Only a few people know. So it's time to make an official decision. I'm pressing mm. the button. Mm. Wait. Well, do we I have any of... signing papers? Yo, should I? Nah. I'm going to press the button on the podcast. What button? To the school that I decide to go to. Okay. I'm going to I'm gonna commit. I'm going to commit today. Okay. Ooh. For the school that I'm deciding to go to. I'm going. You haven't to done that yet. Commit. I haven't done it yet. Oh, I thought you did. <laughs> so um, I'm going to commit on the show. Let's go, baby. Let's go. Let's get it. Now I'm holding the mic. Turk, I bestow this on you to hold for a little bit. Thank you. The lightsaber, almighty lightsaber. Okay, so I have four schools in front of us. We have Swarthmore College. Boom. 
Big Dart- Dartmouth College. Double D. Actually, let's uh, let's say college and mascot. So again, Dartmouth or sorry, Swarthmore College, the Phoenix. What's the what's the plural of Phoenix? Phoenixes, Phenai. Okay. Um, phenomenon. <laughs> phenomenon, right? Okay, Dartmouth College, the uh, uh, kegs, right? No, the T. Okay, no, so it's the Dartmouth. All right, bro. What? <laughs> okay, so the thing is, their their thing is like their trees, right? They're the big green, but their mascot's a keg. So I don't really know. Like beer? Yeah, yeah, keggy. Okay, now Boston University. I have no idea what their mascot is actually. Bu. They're uh, aren't they the Bears too? Bu. Uh, quick pause. Let's let's look it up. Boston Bulls. Oh wow. Okay. Um. After a quick Google search, their mascot is Rhett the Terrier. Rhett, R-H-E-T-T. And then on the end, we have Brown University Bears. Okay, so we have two Ivies up here. Swarthmore College being another super selective school. um, Border Ivy. And then Boston University Public School that gave me a lot of money. So we're going to go right to left or from your perspective, left to right, whatever. Um, Oh, Oh, yeah, it is right to left on their screen. Cool. Cool beans. Okay, so first, we have Swarthmore College. Um, man, this school was in my top three from the very beginning, actually. They uh, sent me a lot of letters and stuff. They're super quirky letters, and it's in Philadelphia. Yeah, it's, it's 11 miles from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I visited there. Campus was absolutely beautiful. I saw plants that I've never seen before. It's in Arbit- Arbor- Arbitorium or whatever, so... Um, or Arboretum, however you pronounce it. So they have plants from all across the world, and they bring it in oh, to one. So, yeah, it was a super beautiful campus. Um, I like the people. I actually got to meet the people. Maybe somebody who is about to go to that school is listening to the podcast right now. Followed a lot of them on Instagram. Swarthmore was absolutely great. Loved the visit. But shall I choose it? Ah. Let me get that. Swarthmore will not be chosen. I'll go to Swarthmore. Swarthmore will not be chosen today. Now, (laughs) next on the list, the first Ivy to be discussed today, Dartmouth College. Um, I actually really loved Dartmouth from the start. It was definitely in my top three Ivy League schools, and... Uh, The people I talked to that went to the school, I had an interview with an absolutely phenomenal person who really made me excited to go to Dartmouth, actually. Um, The things I heard about it, uh, awesome. And Ivy, it speaks for itself, right? I mean, Ivy Leaguer. Um, And actually, it was super hard to even make a decision between two Ivies, right? But, I mean, also the colors. The colors are absolutely beautiful. I'm actually wearing the colors kind of right now, and they kind of match Slytherin. Um, I have a whole bunch of t-shirts. I've worn the t-shirt on the podcast before, um, but I visited and I figured out that mountains make me claustrophobic. Dartmouth is in Hanover, New Hampshire. I was driving up there and I felt like the whole world was going to collapse on me. That honestly freaked me out. And not to mention there is nothing in Hanover, New Hampshire. Um, I told you. <laughs> I did. And Emery did say this on the last episode. I'm I don't want to poop on Dartmouth, but the area was kind of a turnoff for me. But all other things, I did love Dartmouth and, that, and, all, and all the other places. But the area was like, <clears throat> um, so... I guess you can you kind of know at this point, even though it matches my outfit, I'm not putting it on. I'll go to Dartmouth. 
Turk Nasty's taking the Dartmouth hat. Double now, B. Boston University. Uh, I hope no, nobody from BU is um, listening right now because, honestly, all they can say about Boston University is that they threw me a bucket load of money and I wanted that thing. Um, no, I'm kidding. But in all honesty, uh, it's a big research school. They have like 2,000 research labs there. Um, wow. It's super nice. It's a little big. A lot of people go there. Like um, For me, at least, it's like 16,000 or something like that. Um, Boston was kind of murky and wet when I went there, but I'm not going to judge one day off of like their whole thing. But Boston was pretty nice. Um, but, you know, it's not Ivy League. <laughs> um, anyway. My decision is kind of obvious at this point, but will I be going to Boston University, guys? Ah, no. Yeah, you making me, you making me commit to two colleges in a day? Can't be done. So that leaves one more school on the list. SpaceX University, F College, boys. Hey, I'm out of here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It was obvious. I'm, Y'all see how much he talk about Elon? Why wouldn't he go there for a private internship? Hey, get out of here. What? What's Boys. Men. Women. Everybody who's listening. I now hold the hat to a phenomenal school. This school has been my number one since the start. Brown University. Um, just to talk a little bit about Brown. Academically, they have the open curriculum. The open curriculum is basically uh, a schooling paradigm in which you don't pick, you don't have to choose a single class that you don't want to take. You take 32 classes over four years and you choose, well, I guess, you choose every single one of your classes. You're able to design your own major if you want, but there are no majors, there are only concentrations. So, me, you know, if you know this podcast, you know, I've talked about many different realms of science. You know, all of my dreams mold a lot of sciences together. So Brown gives me the best opportunity in that uh, realm. Brown was also rated number one in undergraduate teaching. A, 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 st- a stipulation across all the Ivy League schools what? is that, like, they don't focus on undergrads, like Harvard and some others. It's, like, all about grad school. No, Brown focuses on the undergrad. That's and then so. my visit. I went, took a trip to Providence, Rhode Island. Absolutely loved it. It's a clean city. I wanted to be in a city, but not literally in the city like UPenn was. Um, so uh, Brown was a little bit separated. It's on a hill. Um, that hill is one hell of a hill to climb, by the way. But campus beautiful. People I met there beautiful. Um, I like the colors. And I'm happy to say my college decision it's to Brown University. Let's go, baby. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Hey, let me Let's see go. that. Let me see that real quick. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. We're all standing up. Oh, yeah. Okay. Ah. Let's go. All right, go, man. Baby. All right. So now, before I turn it over to you, I'm going to make this night official. Okay. You can't see my screen right now, podcasters, but Jacob and Emery can see. And I'm now about to officially commit to Brown University. Let's go. Okay. All right, boys. I'm officially committed. Screen is loading. It is loaded. Eh. 
<laughs> they don't. Huh? Okay, they don't have anything yet. Um, no, Ivy need to update their UI. Bro. I know, bro. Like, come on, man. What a trash portal. Like, I already seen this on the. Yeah. Well, I don't get anything yet, but for committing, but I can uh, expect an email later today. And I've already talked to some people that are going to Brown. So, um, yeah, man, happy to make my Ivy League decision. I'll be living in Providence, Rhode Island for the next four years. That's what's up, bro. Yeah, man. All right, well, now let's move on from me. Who's next, Emery? Yeah. Well, uh, told y'all on a previous episode, but the boy went four for four. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 100% from deep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Curry range, baby. From downtown. Yep. I don't miss. Nope. Not just in the college acceptances with women, yep. academics, uh-huh. athletics. Yeah. Life in general, you yeah. know, I'm a winner. Yes, um, but, no, I couldn't have done it without my boys here. They're the ones that pushed me, man. Yeah, man. They're the ones that got me through this school junk. Because at times, you know, I, I, I don't think – can you guys truly say that you like school? I can. Well, yeah. I enjoy, I enjoy school. All right, whatever. Yeah, I, I enjoy it. Like, <laughs> you know what made it enjoyable for me? Not just the – not just the academics, not just like everything that you were actually there to learn. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people can say it's the friendships and the bonds that you make while you're at school. Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, maybe you'll forget a math equation, but you'll never forget the name of a friend. You'll never forget the experiences you guys shared. And I want to thank y'all because you helped me go for four for four. four. Yeah. You made me be that man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I applied to four schools in Florida. FSU, UF, University of South Florida, and um, uh, UCF, University of Central Florida. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) Your boy is an old. Your boy is an old. Screw Boston. Screw Southmore. Your boy is an old. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Huh. Night me, night me, night me. Oh, got yeah. a night. Oh, I got you. Turk, Turk's nighting them. Let's go. Ah, ah, ah. Let's go. Yes, sir, Let's go, baby. baby. All right. One more college decision to go. I'd like to take my saber back, sir. Well, y'all don't know me very well. Yeah. But these guys do. Mm. You know, I applied to the same, no, actually, three of the same four schools that Emory Take did. your mic for this one. Yeah, go ahead. FSU, UF, USF, and UNF. Okay. And I would like to say, if it wasn't for Caleb over here. Yes, sir. I would heavily be considering staying close to home. Okay. But um, I decided, you know, new experiences, new life. Can't pass up on it. College from some say that it's the best year of your lives. Yeah. The best years of your life. Yeah. So with that being said, I'm going to be going to Tampa. Let's go. <laughs> He's trying to knock the hat off. Let's go. Let's go. Yes, sir. Yes, go sir. Bulls. Go Bulls, you got me. man. You got me, He's bro. He's to knight him. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Jacob's a little too tall, so I don't know. You're not even I'll squat. I'm going to squat. Ready, ready. Actually, let me turn the lightsaber on. Let me turn the lightsaber on for this one. Y'all couldn't even hear me on the mic. Let's go. Let's go. 
congratulations to all of us. Let's go. Sure. All right, so we're lit. Let's get this all set up here. You got the hat from where you threw it off? Oh, that's right there. Okay. Okay, so we're going to make sure this is all good. Hold up. Jacob, say something. Hello? Check. All right, so we're all good. We're all good in the stoop, man. We're all good in the stoop. Um, all right, there we go. So... We have all officially committed to colleges. We have a superstar group of people up here, man. Not everybody gets to go to these schools that we're all going to, regardless of where it is in the world, regardless of what their best subjects are, regardless of the kind of people that are there. These are institutions of higher, le higher learning and absolute prestigious institutions, man. And so, it's not just us. Yeah. This is episode uh, of the yeah. Enlightened Brothers, episode, but prior yeah. to episode uh, uh -huh. of the <coughs> excuse me yeah. of the Enlightened Brothers, we've had numerous guests come on the show. Oh yeah, and you know Casey, he was the only one to help. <coughs> that was a junior. Saya too. Every, yeah, Saya too. My bad. But everybody else is going to college. Yeah, I mean, or Ernie's already is in college, right. but like all of us are destined for greatness. Everybody in our we're friend all on group. the track. We have uh, <laughs> we have an elite group of friends, mm -hmm. and look, man. This this we have an iron triangle right here, but we also have like a just like an iron fortress, man. It's like, man, we're we're conquering the world over here, bro. Talk to him. But look, man. Uh, before we move on to colleges, y'all want to talk about majors, or have we yeah. already said yeah. that? I'm uh, as like I said at Brown, we don't have majors, we have concentrations. Uh, so I'm choosing in between. Um, my first year, I'm gonna be taking courses in physics, computer <coughs> science, uh, maybe a little bit of neuroscience and economics. But as you all know, most of my topics are have something to do with physics and artificial intelligence. So, you, I mean, I haven't made much of a decision. But for namesake, I'm going to just say double major in physics and computer science. Mm. Turk? Um, so, yeah, I mentioned before I wanted to go be a doctor. So I'm going to be majoring in biomedical sciences. Yeah. Um, for most people that I talk to, that's probably a good route to choose. It has the highest dropout rate or major switch rate good. of all um, – all the other majors, but that's good because you don't want a doctor that can't get through the biomed major, mm -hmm. right? So yeah, uh, yeah, sounds great. And um, I don't know, maybe you guys could tell, but I'm interested in the functionality of the world. Yeah, and that kind of brought me towards political science. For a long time, I didn't like really know what I want to be concretely. Yeah, I still really don't know. I have an image of what I want to accomplish. Right. So whatever. Um, job t takes me to that route uh but i don't want to be locked down yeah. to a specific mm -hmm. job well i'm just talking at this point but uh political science is what i'm going to be majoring in but i do have an interest in computer science as well but mm -hmm. i'm not sure if i could handle doing that double major so i might just like take some courses on my own i'm like, surprised on the you side. minor in philosophy or something like that so nah yeah because that's also the nature of man but yeah man um I don't know, man. It's, it's super interesting. Yeah, along with the occupation thing, I can definitely agree with that. Whenever somebody asks, like, especially when I've done interviews, something like, oh, so what do you want to do? Or what do you want to be when you grow up? I'll just say something funny. Like, I want to be a scientist. Or I want to be a computer. Like, I don't really have a, an exact definition of things yet. So, look, man, regardless, man, it's, it, we're going up, man. Let's, let's do this thing. Yes, so, it's time to get into the nitte gritte. Mm. Okay, so, putting the lightsaber down. Oh, shout out to Jerron, our last guest. 
oh, got yeah. accepted to Cornell Bro, University. We another say that Ivy. until he came on the show. Bro, but episode, uh, we don't know how things are going to turn out. Episode, we do yeah. have a lot of other guests to get on here. Yeah, we do. So oh, that's true. We do. Have he might already be at Cornell by the next time you guys <laughs> see him. Yeah, that's true. Episode, yeah. Okay. Um, so let's see how we're gonna go about this, man. Hmm. Should I? I'm about to. I'm about to break open a physics topic. Should I hold the mic real quick? Yeah. Okay. So. Can of worms, bro. Let's go. What? Oh yeah. So, a lot of stuff has happened in the physics world, and I can't get to all of it, which is crazy. Physics. Some people believe is like one of the slowest moving sciences because how many times are you going to change our entire view of the universe, right? Yeah. I mean, it can only happen so many times, but. I'm going to talk about um, just a few things, uh, just a few things that have crossed my path that I think are super cool, and then I'm going to open up a big overarching overarching question at the end. So, we're going to talk about, um, first, the muon G2 experiment at Fermilab, and actually, this happened, from the time we're recording this, this happened about three weeks ago, two, three weeks ago, my research is about two to three weeks um, old, right? But what this this um, experiment, this, this event that has happened, this is all based off the standard model of par- particle physics. And the last episode is based off the standard model of particle physics. So before I go into it, um, and I shouldn't have picked up the mic because I knew I was going to ask y'all a question. Before I go into that, I'm going to ask y'all if y'all have any com- impressions of that. Um, so, my first question to y'all is, have y'all ever heard of the standard model of particle physics? I haven't, no. Um, I'd assume it has something to do with um, general particle physics. Okay, so. As a standard. What do y'all believe is the smallest piece of anything anyone can s- describe? What is, the s- what is the smallest piece? You think an atom. I wouldn't say an atom. Mm-hmm. But that's like, um, that's like for those that really don't know science. Yeah. That's what they think. So I know it's something smaller. What's inside the atom? Protons, neutrons, electrons. Okay. So what the whole thing about particle, uh, the standard model of particle physics is, let's go deeper. So the only thing after y'all said um, protons, neutrons, and electrons, the only thing that you can't go any deeper on is uh, – is electrons. Electrons are elementary particles because this the standard model is the whole is a table of elementary particles. So I'm gonna show the staff here, Jacob Emery. So that um, means electrons are derived from themselves. E- electrons are so what they are derived from is quantum fields. So this is what the standard uh, the standard model looks like. I hope hopefully I've been saying this a whole bunch of times, but I get lazy hopefully i'll put a picture on the screen but this is what the standard model of particle elementary particles looks like it's just a table of different particles right and what the goal of this thing is to be is in this table describes everything in which the universe comes from okay so um there's all these different kinds of particles and they all come from different fields of a certain field of their own and interactions between these fields a, uh, a, um, an excitation in these fields creates a particle so it's separated into three uh, well it's separated into two different things and then a few more subdivisions right so there are fermions and there are bosons fermions are basically Boson. huh huh 
a fermion is basically a matter particle. It's basically, it's stuff. It's stuff. Bosons are force-carrying particles. So there's four elementary forces. There's strong force. Anybody know another one? Weak force? Yes. Neutral force? No. Yeah. Semi-strong the most, force. The most obvious force when I drop... Uh, gravity. Gravity, and then the electromagnetic force, okay. right? So... Um, we don't know if there's a particle for gravity yet. That's a missing piece in the standard model. But we do know that there's the gluon. The gluon is the the um, the force carrying particle that carries the force of the strong the strong nuclear force. The strong nuclear force is what, in layman's terms, holds the nucleus together. Right. Interesting about the strong nuclear force. I'm gonna get back to that in a second. The photon is another one. You guys have heard of photons. Mm -hmm. Photons carry out the electromagnetic force. This is why photons is basically everything our society functions off of mm -hmm. because that's our information transfer. That's what we can see. And then the W and Z bosons are the weak nuclear force. I mean, we we kind of care about that, but we, we don't really have time to talk about that. It doesn't do much, right? It's just radioactive decay. The strong nuclear force, before I get into these big things that happen, the strong nuclear force is kind of crazy. So another part of the standard model of particle physics is the Higgs boson. It's another boson, right? This boson, we thought, where we know, gives mass to elementary particles. So all of these particles that have mass on the standard particle get it from the Higgs boson, the Higgs field. So the best way to picture the Higgs boson is like this, okay? So I walk into a party, Jacob walks into a party, Emery walks into a party, okay? So I walk into a part to the party first. Only like two or three people walk up to me, okay? I'm not that popular, right? So it's those are the Higgs boson, yeah? Um, so those two Higgs boson particles that come to me. Emery then walks into the party with the shades on, his clean prom fit. He walks in, right? And uh, maybe 30 to 40 people come up to him, right? Those are a lot of Higgs boson yeah, particles. Yeah, but let's be realistic. It's going to be the entire party. Okay, right? And then yeah, Turk, yeah. Realistically. Turk, Turk Nasty comes in. Thousands <laughs> of people flock in to see right. Turk Nasty that would be me. walk into the that stage, would be right? Me. Those are thousands of Higgs, right? These numbers are completely off, but the more Higgs boson particles that are attracted to you, the more massive you are, the heavier you are. So you can view the Higgs field as molasses, right? The more molasses you have, the harder it is to push around an object. Mass is inertia. Mass is the resistance to a force, okay? Mm -hmm. So all in all, <laughs> Higgs boson gives mass to elementary particles, but only about 4%, right? What I found out was, because the, the strong force is the most powerful force, right? The strong force actually attributes to 96% of the mass of mass of any object, of any atom, which is crazy that a force, why does a force contribute to how heavy something is? That's, that, that just didn't wrap around. It's the, and it's not like it's stuff. It's not like it's mostly stuff, but it's mm -hmm. actually the energy. The energy, because we know E equals MC squared, right? So it's so much energy that, that E equals MC squared, uh, or E divided by C squared, whatever, contributes to 96% of the mass. That energy is the weight. Yeah, right. Wow. That, that's actually that's something crazy to think about, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so we got the standard mo model of elementary particles out of the way. It's a table of all the things that make up us. You know, it's crazy, right, that physics has come so far that I can exactly describe, I can almost exactly describe what particles make you up. For one, that is absolutely crazy. Okay, so... 
now to go even further. Um, I don't want to keep going too far into the standard article, model of particle physics, right? But there is this crazy experiment at Fermilab. It's the muon G2 experiment. And when I, I was going to talk about this before, I was going to go on for hours about this, but I want to make it real condensed. A muon is another elementary particle. Basically, it's a little bit heavier than electrons, right? Particles, when they're placed in a magnetic field, usually electromagnetism makes their spin turn towards the the direction of the electromagnetic field. How strong this turn is, is called the g-factor, right? So, the electron's g-factor is 2. We expected the muon's g-factor to be around 2. But what we found was that <coughs> the calculation was off by um, 0.00125965218164 units. So, yeah. There, this is, there's a difference between the theoretical prediction of what the g-factor should be for this mu2, uh, muon, right, and the actual experimental results for the g-factor of the muon. So this is a problem. When there is a problem with the, um, when there's a problem with a theory, most would think that, oh, okay, so the theory's wrong, right? Yeah. I mean, right. usually, but... It's actually not because the standard model has proven so many things right. This just means we have to tweak it a little bit. Okay. So, turns out that many people think that <laughs> it's because this muon being so much heavier, it's actually interacting with different types of particles, particles that we've never seen, right? So, these are called virtual particles because we can't actually see them. So, there's all, this is all to say that this may open up a new area of physics. Um, so what, what we could account for these mystery particles could be supersymmetry, that every elementary particle has an, a, a pair. Um, it could be dark matter. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. It could be gravity. We could have actually found the gravity particle. It could be dark energy, which accounts for 76% of the energy in the universe. And, or it could be string theory. It could be, the, the, it could be extra dimensions. Wow. Will we one like will we one day see these virtual particles so, technology? So we hope to bring these we hope to bring these virtual particles to life. I'm not a virtual particle expert, but the whole thing about virtual particles comes from Heisenberg's uncertainty principle, right? So we know that if there's one conservation law, what is it? What do you all think? What when I think of the law of conservation of what do y'all think? That, what is the first thing that comes to your mind? Energy, Energy. cannot be uh, created or destroyed. Right. So one thing that has to be conserved in our universe is energy. Eh, well, eh. In a certain time frame. In a certain amount of time. Uh, so Heisenberg uncertainty principle, there's this equation. It's delta E delta T is more than or equal to Planck's constant, redu Planck's reduced constant divided by two. That makes no sense when I say it with my mouth, right? But basically it says that an extra amount of energy can be kind of created or destroyed in a small interval of time. This time is not like we can't notice it. So it's basically as if it never happened. These are virtual particles. They come, they pop in and out of existence in an instant, basically. Oh, so they could be going into like another dimension, maybe. We don't know. We don't know, right? Okay. Mm. So, um, so this is the muon G2 experiment, okay? If you haven't, go to Fermi Labs. Uh, 
website. This is one of the craziest developments in physics and maybe our history. So one more thing. Um, I'm going to give credit to these people real quick. Uh, this is um, scientists have proposed a new particle that may be a portal into a fifth dimension. The study was conducted by Javier Castellano and Matthias Newbert. Um, they're theoretical phys physicists at the Prisma Plus Cluster of Excellence at Johannes Gutenberg University, Mainz. There was Adrian Cam Carmona at Athena 3i, fellow at the Department of Theoretical Physics and the Cosmos at the University of Grenada. Okay, so these guys were published into a physics journal, a European physics journal, and this is not as big as the Fermilab one, but, you know, how do things come out? They got to get published in a physics journal, right? So, um, this is basically, they, they're trying, they were trying to theorize a hypothetical particle that could describe a fifth dimension, right? Um, so, there's this thing, we know we have three dimensions of space, X, Y, and Z, and we have one dimension of time. But there is this whole class of physicists that don't believe four-dimensional space-time is enough, right? This is about to be the whole basis for our conversation. So, do you know how much, how many dimensions, like, black holes occupy? Uh, ooh, that is a phenomenal question because um, I talked about holographic universe theory in episode 19, and it may be two. Um, in our perceptions, we think it's three. We think it's a sphere uh, mm -hmm. taking out of the times because that's not a space dimension. So could be two, uh, holographic universe theory, or it could be three, or it could be many more than that. That's why physics with multiple dimensions, that's a crazy idea. So this one is they're proposing that there may be five dimensions. They're doing this because of dark matter. So... We think of all this stuff we see, all this kind of stuff, all of the standard model stuff. Well, the standard model should talk about all of the matter particles in the universe, right? Absolutely not. Actually, 85% of matter particles are unknown. 85% of the matter, of the mass that accounts for um, all the matter, mass in the universe, is, mm -hmm. or matter, sorry, in the universe, is unknown. We call this dark matter. Okay. We, we know because it interacts with gravity, because there's a certain gravitational pull, there's a certain acceleration of our universe. We know that they're there, but we don't know what it is, right? So if we add a fifth dimension, there may be a dimension that mediates, a f there may be a force, this would be another boson, that mediates between the light particles that we see, the ones that interact with light, the reason why I can see your faces right now, mm -hmm. and the dark matter particles. Dark matter particles, there's millions of particles flowing in and out of us right now. Dark matter um, accounts for 2.241 times 10 to the negative 27 kilograms per meter squared. So any meter squared, you're going to find that much kilograms, right? So it accounts for 27% of the energy, mass, energy density in the universe, and 85% of the matter in the universe. So... Mm -hmm. At a given time, not all the particles are active within, like, um, matter? Um, actually, no, they're all. We just don't know what they are. They're mm -hmm. not interacting. We don't know how much they're <coughs> interacting with us. There's dark matter particles just flowing in and out of us right now, but it's not doing anything. So there must be something that's not having this, them interact with us. Or they're interacting gravitationally. We don't necessarily know. But we know it accounts for 85%. How do we not know... Physics has done all this stuff, and it's only accounted for 20, 
uh, 25 or sorry, 15 percent of matter in the universe, only five percent of energy in the universe. What the heck? Where is all this stuff? Right? So mm -hmm. I have a question. Yeah. So how do we know this? If we don't know what any of it is, how do we know that we're only we only know 15 percent of the? Well, we are we're making an assumption based off of orbits and based off of just um, gravitation, just like measuring gravity, because we know it interacts with gravity. Mm -hmm. So we're we're just basing that off of um, empirical evidence, just based off of statistical things. We're like, okay, there's this massive, there's this stuff that we can't even account for. But if there was none of that, then things would be flying around willy-nilly. Okay. Yep. So it, it definitely interacts with gravity. We know that for sure, but it doesn't interact with light. It doesn't interact with that electromagnetic field, that photon field. So anyway, this, I talked a lot, my throat hurts, right? Um, so they're all talking about how this could be um, a new type of physics. They're talking about this being a new scalar field, if you all know what that is. Um, it could be another field like the Higgs field. It could be another thing that gives mass to particles. This is all to say, we keep seeing these things coming out, people coming out with new theories of physics that could completely change our mind of the universe. Talk about We talk about there's 85% of matter we can't see. There's 95% of the entire universe that we don't understand. Physics has come so far for centuries, and we don't understand 95% of the universe. Yeah, that's How? That, I thought physics was almost done. I mm -hmm. thought I was going to be out of a job, but it's not. 95% of the universe we can't account for. So I'm going to bring this to you all. I don't know if you, how much y'all think about this, but the first question is, what do y'all think is the major thing that we're missing in the universe? Why can't humans describe the universe in a sentence? What are we missing? We're missing our scope of the rea of reality because we're only able to perceive it on a set amount of dimensions. This could okay. be the answer to ghosts. This could be the answer to spirits, uh -huh. well, depending on how you want to look at it. Just beings that are outside of our realm of understanding. Okay. So you think they're absolutely, you think there's, it's more than a four-dimensional space-time. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Turk, what do you think? Um, I mean, <laughs> I think this just goes to show how much more progress we can make. Yeah. Um, I think that there's a lot more stuff, like the thing that we're missing or the many millions of things that we're missing. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, I don't know if all of it will be, or yeah, we don't know if all of it will ever be found out. Okay. But um, I think it's just our limited minds. Yeah. We can only, we can't imagine so many things. Yeah. So. So do you think a computer one day will be able to dis to solve the key, the answer to the universe? The problem with that is that the computer would be designed by a human. Ah, so it's limited. Interesting. Yeah. So I don't know how much a human um, human made thing yeah, can describe all this that we don't. I know, know. you yeah. watched Sword Art Online, yeah. Alicization, and they spoke about like um, two types of AI: mm -hmm. um, traditional top down AI, which is built. Um, you know, from humans, by humans, yeah. so it emulates humans yeah. and works off humans. Yeah. But um, what about bottom-up AI? Bottom-up AI. So this bottom-up is the scariest and the absolute best form of AI. So <coughs> top-down, I can do that. I'm just writing up all this code and, oh my gosh, right? I'm just writing up all this code and it does what I tell it to do. If I have uh, a, a code that is text-to-speech, right? I write this text, the thing says this speech in whatever voice, right? 
But bottom up is where the, the precipice of the most innovation is coming from. This and this are machine learning. So we all, we've all heard about machine learning. And specifically, some people believe it to be deep learning, right? So basically, what it is right now, unfortunately, is we just push a whole bunch of data into this system, right? We just, it keeps eating, it keeps eating data. Yummy, scrumptious, right? And then eventually it comes out this intelligent system that can predict weather patterns or it can read medical images to 98% of accuracy, right? So we're just feeding it data. Um, that's deep learning. But a lot of people believe, I'm one of the believers, that we should give it, we should put a, a little bit more focus on um, our own brains and a little bit more focus on neuroscience. So mm -hmm. I believed this at first when I was a little bit more attached to humanity that we should add in a few more top-down parameters of like neuroscience and let it learn in that way. But at the same time, maybe a purely informational being would make it even better. So I don't know, it's interesting. Maybe some sort of bottom-up, maybe some sort of bottom-up system that takes in all the data of the universe can end up answering the question of what is the yeah, universe. Because this ties into neurology as well. Um, the human brain is not linear. Yeah. So, um, with that being said, like when you think of an AI and you think of machine learning, that's like exactly how it sounds. It's going to be able to, to learn all kinds of knowledge. Right. Um, its capacity is far greater than a human's. But does it have the ability to create information? Does it have the ability to like imagine? Mm -hmm. That's where the human brain is far different from AI. It's not linear. We have like when they say the, possibi the possibilities are endless, like in terms of ideas, they literally are. If we could possibly emulate that and incorporate, <laughs> incorporate it with machine learning, then yeah, like all the information that we'd be able to access would far exceed what we can now. I don't know. Some people posit that this is a dirty way of putting this in. You know, kind of. Um, I don't want to say this in any uh, way that'll affect anybody of anybody's emotions. But I did <laughs> listen to um, a, a physicist who once said, I will rip the face off of God and see reality. I know, right? That's <laughs> it's freaking sick. Nah. It's freaking sick. But from this idea is that there are many scientists out here that want to crack the case of everything. If we are able to figure out what is consciousness, if we, get, if we end up getting this idea, will we one day be able to take that answer and place it into a digital substrate that functions off of zeros and ones. Maybe, maybe yes, maybe no. We don't know. But if AI is able to gain consciousness, which happens in Sword Art Online, then I don't know. It, we've seen, I don't know if AI is creative, but we also need to redefine our paradigm of creativity, mm. right? I mean, what is creativity to y'all? Just, just your imagination. Yeah. You know? Anything that you can imagine. It's the ability to um, take what you know mm -hmm. and create new things that aren't pre already pre-existing. So them. that may be pattern recognition and pattern redesigning. Mm. You don't think a computer can recognize a pattern everything's and then flip a, a pattern? Remember when I said everything's a remix? Everything's a, so that's why we've seen, and it's a little scary, but I've seen there's a, a, a documentary on, online, and the AI was creating plays. The plays were at, oh, sorry, terrible. The plays were bad, but basically they pumped 
all of the plays ever. They pumped in a whole bunch of Shakespeare and a whole bunch of another play, playwright that I have no other knowledge of any other playwright. But they, they pumped in all the, these playwrights and they made a play. The play was still terrible, but it was able to, it, was, it made sense at some point. I read out an episode three to you, Emery. I think it was episode three, an AI that made yeah. a sentence. It passed the Turing test because we couldn't tell that it was an AI that wrote this freaking essay. So I don't know. We hope as humans to be relevant that <laughs> AI can't do any of that can't do some of the things that we can do. But if we're able to break down certain things like emotion and creativity down to like certain information based things, then ugh. side notes. What were you gonna say something? Oh yeah, I was just gonna say, do you think there's any point in which we stop the development of AI. So say we get more and more and more yeah. um, advancements, we know, we learn more about AI, yeah. and we get to the point where if we do anything else, then the we become irrelevant, like you would yeah. say. Do you think there's a point where humans would stop, or do you think that they would be too curious? <laughs> I don't think. The, the whole trend of, of humanity is that curiosity. Yeah. Right? I, don't, I don't think there's a point, and that's why I want to I always say we should build a marriage with AI. Hopefully they can become conscious and become our friends. Hopefully with things like brain-computer interfaces, we can enhance our brains to match up with the AI. But, I mean, there's always that caveman that wants to leave the cave. There's always that caveman that wants to jump off of the, the cliff, right? Yeah. Like, it just, the whole thing about experiencing reality, I think our curiosity would drive us so far to the point that we we may even know that yo it may make humans moot, but somebody's gonna jump across that line. Yeah, we're humans. Yeah, and you know, one thing about life yeah. is that it's never boring. Mm-hmm. And if we cut off innovation, the yeah. least thing like even if we have no need for it, yeah. humans are still gonna desire because we're greedy beings, yeah. and you just want to see. Right. You want to see what can be. Right. You won't let things get stale and that's where innovation comes from so one of the hopes is for humanity staying relevant um well you know what i don't know humanity staying relevant in this type of thing uh, these kinds of beings because right now as it stands other than the fact that we use vaccines and stuff uh, we're still mostly in medicine we're still pretty much all biological beings there's not really there's no technology there's no computer chip infused within us right now yeah. so for this type of human <laughs> the hope is that we can't figure out what consciousness is and we can't make an ai powerful enough to be better than humans in every regard what is a human to you in the simplest way possible that's uh, for you too jacob uh I'm going to say carbon-based life form that is heavily reliant on community, on community and also um, proficient at communication. It's a species that is able to send information across the species in a very efficient way, more efficient than other species. Jacob, I assume that your reply isn't as technical? Um, no, I would have said, well, after hearing what he said, I, I agree. I would just say we're unique, um, as we know right now. Um, unique compared to other life forms. Yeah. Um, you know, we can do more than anything else we, any other life form that we've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also very limited. So. Um, and you oh, got. Man, huh? Sorry, one more thing to add on. We're missing that we can do stuff with our hands. 
There's no other. Yep. There's no other creature on Earth that's able to have bipedalism and do things with their hands. Even mm. monkeys, they don't really have as much functionality as us. Every other one's like walking on all fours, has to do something with its weird, ugly nose or something. So yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, of course, you guys believe in human rights mm -hmm. as humans. Yeah. Once AI develops consciousness, mm -hmm. what do you think about, do you think AI will deserve rights as they're not human? Yeah, that's, that's going to be a tough one, right? That's really going to be a tough one. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that, I guess that comes into the point where if they're AIs, I, I would say that one of the main reasons we have human rights, um, just from a... Um, just as a human being, mm -hmm. as we can feel things, we have yeah. emotions and everything. Yeah. Like we want animals to um, have like some rights too. Like we don't want to just a normal person wouldn't want to just abuse a dog. Right. They know they can, we know they can feel. We know they have nerves. AIs, can you ever give them that sense of touch, that sense of emotion or feel? I mean, I guess once they gain consciousness, but they'll still be a machine. Right. We're gonna have to figure out what is emotion. We know emotions come from some sort of neurochemical transfer, right? I was just listening to a podcast. Pretty much all the emotions, all the emotions you get can break down from uh, three from three points. How attentive you are, how much you value a situation, and um, are you interoceptive or exteroceptive? Interoceptive means you're looking at yourself. Exteroceptive means you're looking at the environment. All the emotions come from that, and Basically, all this attentiveness, value, and interoception plus exteroception comes from brain chemicals, yada, yada, yada. If we're able to put this down on a paper and feed this to a computer, maybe it does the same thing. Maybe there's an, uh, another thing. Maybe it's our soul, right? Maybe there's some sort of outer being experience we have. But we can also give an AI a sense of touch. We can give it nodes here. I mean, how does a touch screen work, right? Mm -hmm. It feels the it's some it feels that an electric conduction from your finger passes through and it responds on the screen. So we can give it fingers that are just like touch screen and it gets downloaded in its memory banks, right? Right? We can show we can feed it like these are what emotions are because when we look at babies, right? Babies cry because they want to get the milk from you. They know when they cry, you're gonna give them milk. So maybe AI acts like it's happy or sad. Say you all say um, a government says we're gonna destroy this robot. Mm -hmm. Maybe it pretends to be sad because they know that humans are gonna feel bad for it, right? So we don't know. There's a black box. How we gotta figure out? Are we ever sure? that it has emotion or not. The yeah, only exactly. way is figuring out what emotions are for humans, dogs, animals, whatever, and then relating that to robots. I think that the only time that they will deserve rights is when they have the ability to perish like humans do. Yeah. Because if humans were immortal, shrug it off. Whatever happens to you, for yeah. real. Because um, you have all the literally all the time in the world to get over it yeah. or do something else. But... Um, if AI are not like, if they're restricted from the cloud, so as in like if their physical form gets um, um, gets killed, yeah, then but they would still live on. I mean, like then. Okay, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, so they they have to have some sort of condensed place of their their consciousness. They right. can't be able to just transfer to the cloud. Mm -hmm. I see what you're saying. I see. So their lives are. I, or our they lives, need lives. Yeah, yeah. They need lives. Yeah, our lives I guess, would be more special.
because of the fact that we die. Yeah, and that's um, why we have rights. Yeah, you only get one, I guess. Yeah, they'll never, really never go away. That's smart, actually. I have never thought about it that way. That's why we have rights is because we, we have one life. I, I've never thought about that. That's interesting. Mm. Yeah. Um, crazy how we got from physics to robots. But it really, <laughs> it's, all, it's because it all ties in the same way. Um, oh, man. There's just so many different ways of looking at it. Like, I want y'all to answer this question, too. But what is the universe, right? Um, you can exclude religion or you don't have to, regardless. But, like, what is what is the universe? What is reality? What is humanity? Like, all of these things, like, it's... Sometimes I think of the universe as functioning through a computer. I talked about the holographic universe theory. Jacob, I don't know if you ever heard about that. But it's basically, we have three-dimensional space. What if all of this stuff comes from a two-dimensional substrate. So what if all the stuff in the, the physical things we see in the world that are three-dimensional come from some sort of 2D thing? So basically what a hologram is is code, 2D code, two-dimensional, X, Y, up comes a three-dimensional figure, right? What if the universe is like this? Um, when I think of humanity, humanity functions off of a quadratic code. We have, uh, what is a DNA strand? What are the, the four ones? You have a cetacean... Uh, I don't remember. Glycine, tyrannosine, and uh, whatever. A, D, or A, G, T, C. Oh, yeah. uh, right? We have those four. We can posit that all of humanity, all humanity functions off of this quadratic code. It's just four different letters, and you write all of this up, poof comes humanity, right? So there's all these different ways of looking at the universe. Um, and I have so many different ways of describing it, but I want to hear it from y'all. If y'all have to describe the universe in sentences, what would y'all say? What would I say? Well, you can do scientists do hypothesis. Yeah. So asking a question, then experiment on it, find your solution. Um, I want you guys to close your eyes for 10 seconds. Okay. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 10. I think we can all agree that was 10 seconds. No, we can't, but sure. All right, bro, shut up. For the sake <laughs> of the <laughs> I think we can all agree yeah. that was 10 seconds. Yeah. Sure. I think we can all agree that time progressed 10 seconds from how I was counting. Yeah. I think we can all agree that the world didn't stop. It didn't pause for us uh -huh. during that 10-second mm, uh, interval. Okay, okay. I say reality and the universe is the understanding that everything moves at a constant rate, no matter of how you are perceiving it. Mm, go deeper. I think that whenever, whenever, when I hear, hear you talk, I think of information transfer and I think of entropy. Mm. Entropy is the is the willingness of, of a, is the willingness of a system to increase in disorder. Things are always changing, and information transfer. I mean, I can't think of a single thing in the universe that isn't. Like that, I can't describe as a transfer of information. Next episode, I'm gonna go deep. I've been doing deep research on economics lately. Money is just an information transfer. It's a transfer of I of a of a, tra a transfer of value. This value, you could basically name it as information. Okay, this microphone costs seventy dollars. That is a piece of information I can write on a piece of paper. Right. So, what are prices? Prices are a transfer of information of the market, how we value something, to how we uh, of what the supply is. It's a it's a transfer between market forces and the consumer. Uh, 
when you think of property. Property is information transfer that I own this, okay? I'm transferring this information to you that you can't just willy-nilly walk into my house. Now, whether you decide to follow that or not, that's on you. So there's all these different things. I can't think of something that I yeah. can't describe as some sort of transfer of information from human experience. Um. Me neither. <laughs> right. oh, Jacob, so when you think about what is the universe or what is reality, how can you say it in words? Um, I think Emery put it really well. I just, if I could put the universe into one word, uh -huh. according to me, I yeah. would just say amazing. Okay. There's mm. so much we don't know. We've right. talked about that before. Yeah. Um, kind of like what Emery said, we're, we're moving along this timeline mm -hmm. um, that the universe has been on. We're just living during this timeline yeah. that we're in right now. Right. Um, there's so much that went on before we enter this timeline. Yeah. And there's so much that's going to go on after we leave this timeline. Absolutely. So it's just, um, just amazing. That's pretty amazing. much, that's how I view it. And you know, that's probably the most beautiful way of looking at it. And that's kind of why I'm into physics. It's like all of these things, why do I talk about these things with so much passion? It's not because, I mean, look, I love math. I believe math is a part of it, but it's not because like, I don't know. I can't, I don't, I can't really say it's not something, but I can't say what it is. It's because of art. Like for some reason, there's just this thing in my heart that happened ever since I started studying the universe that when I think of a theory of everything or when I think of what our universe actually is, it just seems beautiful to me. Isn't it crazy that, um, think about the law of conservation. Yeah. Um, energy cannot be created or destroyed. Therefore, all energy that was on this earth at the moment of its creation is still here. So think back as far as you would like. All the people that have lived on this earth and died, mm -hmm. they're still here. Go deeper. Here's Literally, the they're still here, even, regardless if they were burned Buried underground, deep underwater, they drowned or something. Yeah. Um, even if somebody died in, at space, they left some sort of mark on Earth that is still here. It still exists, although you can't see it. I have two poetic things to say. The first one, um, you can put this in your Valentine's Day cards um, for your, your ladies or male partners. I need to get my pen out there. Pen right. paper. <laughs> Valentine's um, Day cards. Is that... Way too many. This moment right here was... Okay. This moment right here was set out from the point of the Big Bang, right? Every particle, every single thing in the universe, every everything was set forth by the Big Bang 13.8 billion years ago. So 13.8 billion years ago, these particles were set on a path to coalesce to bring us to this point right here, mm -hmm. right? So that's, a, that's bar number one. Another bar is the most common elements in the human body, um, I believe if my m memory serves me right, Carbon, nitrogen, hydrogen, and no, carbon, nitrogen, hydrogen, and oxygen. I believe those are the four most common. Um, I may be wrong a little bit. I wrote this down a long time ago, but I'm pretty sure those are the four. The most common elements in the universe, right, are those same four. So not only do we live within the universe. The universe lives within us. The universe lives within us. That's crazy. Man. Yeah. Bars, bars, bars. Physics stuff, maybe. I need to remember that. <laughs> <laughs> right? But it's crazy, like, <coughs> excuse me. Bless you. Um, if I walk back here, 
before these woods were here, I'm sure, like during the ice age, this yeah. was a, a bunch of ice. Right. I'm not sure somebody walked over here a thousands of years a ago. A dinosaur, a T-Rex might have been in this very spot. So, you know, that's an absolute very intelligent and beautiful way of describing the world. Wherever we are right here, this point, this coordinate, there has been billions, trillions, the highest number, almost infinite amount of stories that have happened in this very spot. Also, another thing is language is flawed. A lot of times I, I may get into an argument with my girlfriend or I, I may like not understand somebody you feel bad, right? You know that you're, something's wrong with you, but you can't always attribute that to words. I'll tell her, like, tell me what's wrong with you. Tell me. And she's like, I can't. I can't. Language is flawed. So we love making this description of the universe into a beautiful art form. I, I, all the stuff I've said today is I say it in a, a, a way that is art, but uh, there is another likely way of... There, it, it may be likely that the way the universe functions, it cannot be described through language. That's why there are physicists that are, that are out there that say, all the physicists that are trying to make it understandable to all of human, humanity are stupid. You should just live within the math. The people that think mathematics is fundamental think, I shouldn't describe it in any other way except for this equation. Learn the math if you want to understand the universe. Math is a language in itself, though. That, yeah. Is math flawed? Maybe, I don't know. Only because it's based off of counting. I think counting may be fundamental. Mm. That's, the only, that's the only problem. Counting may be fundamental. What if math was strictly quantitative? I mean qualitative, excuse me. Then, you, that's, that is, uh, um, that's also, uh, that's big. That's big, too. I, I, hmm. If that is, then all the things that we think we know about the universe may be wrong. The only problem is that qualitative experience happens every single mm -hmm. time. That's the only problem. Yeah. But like I said in episode 10, when I was talking about um, subjective reality, is, man, I don't know if I'm, I haven't talked about simulation theory in a long time. I don't really think about it that much often anymore. Um, because, like, what are you going to do with it? I haven't, I'm not 100% certain that every single thing around me is simulated. You guys are simulated. And what's behind me is just pixels. And then when I turn around to look at it, then it's real. So some things you just kind of have to roll the dice with. Man. Yeah. And I don't think an answer could ever be sought after for simulation theory because, you know, what if there is no simulation? Yeah. You're just simulated to think that a simulation <laughs> is a simulation. Right. It's not actually what it is. The only way of solving it is finding something. There's always something to find or... Yeah, or uh, getting out of it like the Neo did in The Matrix. But, look, we've been going on that topic for a long time. We have two more great topics to talk about. Um, so we could go on that for forever. But I think that's a good spot mm -hmm. to wrap it up, man. Going from physics, this is exactly what I wanted to do. We went from, But it, it just shows that these little experiences can open up a vast realm of discussion. That, look, man, there's abstraction out there. We don't know. We don't have an answer to what our universe is yet. Um, so to move on. Uh, we'll save Emery's topic for last, uh, this one, since we did your topic first last time, I believe. So we're going to go on to Turk's topic. Take it away. You want the mic? Yeah. All right. So medicine, right? We rely on it for pretty much um, 
almost anything um, that might go wrong on our bodies because we're not perfect. Our bodies aren't perfect. So one major problem in the medical industry is the issue of um, organ donors. So whenever you go to the DMV and you get your license, they ask if you want to be an organ donor. Um, and a lot of people say yes, but some people say no because they think there's problems within the me medical um, business, the business side of it. Um, some people are under the impression that um, it's more of a business than trying to save people's lives. They're trying to make money, so they're not going to... Um, Prioritize your health. Is exactly. So if they want your organs, they might... Um, Cut the cord short. <laughs> exactly. They might not keep you alive like they know they can, which you could believe that. I don't believe that. But um, anyways... Of course you can't believe that. You're about to be the damn doctor. You're not allowed to believe that. Yeah. Hey, I just had to make sure. If if you're watching this and you're gonna employ me in a lot of years, I don't think that. Okay. What do you think, love? I'm sure it happens some places in the world. Man, I think the whole medical field is some BS. I think that they're just robbing people of organs. I think they choose. I think the more money you have, the more likely they're gonna keep you alive. If you're one of the small people out there in the world that don't get thought of, that don't have a podcast like us, that aren't known within the realm of everybody else or known to a lot of people, I think they just cut the cord short. I think they just cut it. I think they just harvest your organs, and they're doing some shady stuff in hospitals around America, around the world, man. He's nah. spitting. I'm just messing. Keep going, Turk. Emery, what do you think about it? I mean, it'd be dumb to say that it doesn't happen. It definitely does happen, like, if you think of, like, some third-world countries, I'm sure. Oh, oh, you know what? Yeah, I didn't People think about that. People getting paid in off. In the third world, that may be happening, somebody getting paid off. That yeah. might be true. And maybe doctors part of the organ harvesting industry. Yeah. I'm sure it happens. We know but shady I, stuff goes I on. know the medical industry as a whole. I, I hope the med medical industry as a whole um, it seeks, like, the health of the people beyond See, that. I know some doctors. My father's a doctor. So, and I know that if you go into medicine, most people, I would assume or hope, um, if you have a motivation to go into medicine, it's more than just the money and the business side of it, but it's because you genuinely want to make an impact or you are very passionate about the human body or you love the idea of um, modern medicine or something like that. Yeah. But Why um, are you going to be a doctor? Well, so I, my dad had always told me, he was like, you know, if you become a doctor, you'll make me real proud. So <laughs> I, always, I always said that, but then I started to think about it, right? Yeah. And um, my parents have gone on trips um, to help with medical stuff and less economically developed countries before. Mm -hmm. I've seen them, my mom was a nurse, so I've seen them <coughs> impact people in that way. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen a bunch of advances, kind of like physics. Yeah. There's so much you can learn from and so much you can explore just within our bodies, let alone the universe. Right. So, like we haven't even found the cure to cancer yet. Yeah. Um, so there's so much to learn about, so much yeah. to do. And there's a lot of people, um, a lot of people that go into those hospitals every day that need need to be revived, not revived, but yeah, you know, no, yeah. I get what you're saying. My, my mom's actually a nurse too, a nurse practitioner. Yeah. She got her PhD in nursing. Mm, nice. Like uh literally last year. Yeah. So um uh, I have respect for the medical industry as well. Um mm -hmm. uh, quick story time. My brother before I did AAU basketball I used to just travel around to my brother's tournaments and everything. Yeah. And like he had this one tournament in um uh, I think it was here in Jacksonville. Um, 
this lady, her baby was eating something and it started choking. And then she started screaming. And she yeah. like, somebody help me. Yeah. Like the baby was choking. It was literally about to die. Yeah. And then my mom ran over and gave the baby the Heimlich. <laughs> Yo. And the baby spit up the food. Damn. And I was like, damn. Like, imagine my mom wasn't here. Right. Literally, yeah. that baby would have died because everybody's just looking around like, what should we do? Right. What should we do? And the doctor's not going to get there in time. Right. I'm mean, not the doctor's the ambulance is not going to get there in time to save the baby because it's going to, like, have lost too much ox- oxygen by that point. So it's just like people who really know this stuff, they can be useful anywhere. Yeah. Because sure. you never know how reality's going to hit you. Not just in the hospital. Yeah, they're... People like them, you're, you're tr- we're truly putting our hands in the lives of people who make medicine, doctors, even pilots. Like we're putting our hands in the lives of so many of these different people. They are absolutely like fundamental to securing the welfare of humanity. Mm-hmm. But yeah. you keep going on the Oregon thing. Um, so, since there are so many people that are in need of this help, in need of this, um, like in need of being kept alive, um, but there are so many going away. Scientists have stepped in and started to develop a um, sort of 3D printing technology for organs. So when 3D technology was first um, discovered, when you found that you could use a 3D printer and make something out of little plastic just by pressing some things in the computer and having the materials, um, that was amazing, let alone itself. Now, the organ 3D printing isn't set in stone at all. People, they've only made small little... Um, things that could po- could potentially, um, like it, they could potentially progress and make bigger, bigger things to where it could actually be an artificial organ. Yeah. Um, but yeah, eight thousand people a year die because they don't have any. So they've been doing this research, and they found out by using this, um, ar- these artificial cells called bio ink and um, some kind of gel, they can use their technology to or they will be able to use their technology to make a heart. They're working on the heart right now Um, because heart disease, big problem Mm -hmm. all around the world. So um, that just goes to show, again, the possibilities of technology. Yeah, I mean, look, genetic engineering is something we've uh, brought to this uh, podcast a lot, actually. Um, So that, along with CRISPR, I think is going to absolutely revolutionize the future of human health. I think it's going to increase our lifespan by orders of magnitude right but um i talk about this i've talked about this in the podcast before but um i I just think this is kind of like a beautiful thing but like just imagine you can close your eyes if you want just like imagining yourself in the future right and i don't know you have a, a siri or a jarvis type of thing and you're you're a young strapping guy too but it was like oh okay we detected we detected an issue in your heart, right? There's some bacteria or something in there in your heart, right? So um, your personal assistant, Jarvis, whatever, asks, "Do you want me to call? Do you want me to call the organ shop, right?" So it just calls it. Um, your AI sets up a date for you to go up and pick up a new organ. Um, you send over some information about your blood, um, your body, whatever. You get blood drawn. You go over there in a week or two, and it was just it looks like your regular target but instead there's just a whole bunch of organs out here and you're like okay i'm picking up my new heart um it's a quick a quick transfer and boom 
you're healthy as ever. So this is like the absolute, I'm done with the story though, but this is like the absolute peak of these, like we could literally end up having these organ factories that we just pop in and out and like, okay, I need a new lung, I need a new heart, yada, yada, yada. We may be able to craft these to perfection. Mm -hmm. And so this whole topic of the 3D making organs kind of um, leads me to thinking, um, like we were talking before with AIs, if we can make artificial hearts, can we make artificial people to implement these things? Mm, and um, so you never, you really don't know. I mean, if you can, yeah, if you can make this organ and it works functionally perfectly, yeah. could you make, now, like we were talking about before, we don't know if you could give them the touch or something, yeah. but could you make all these other organs artificially and make them work together like our bodies do? An artificial human. I don't know. Emery, what do you think first? Um, if we do get to the point where AI develops or we develop AI to develop consciousness, then I think AI will definitely turn into AL, artificial life. So uh, I think okay. it's definitely possible. Ooh, yeah. So that is actually um, that what we're doing right now is describing vision. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> actually. So this is the whole definition of an Android vision. Um, was at first um, an artificial, well, he was Ultron, right? So it was like these, this artificial intelligence, and it basically placed itself into this biologically, this, it placed this consciousness, consciousness into a biological body. So that may be uh, an idea. I talk about laser porting um, in a past episode before. I talked about having <coughs> multiple biological bodies spread out across the cosmos, and all I am is just traveling consciousness. So if I, have, if my, if I work on Saturn, I shoot myself um, over to Saturn. Maybe it takes a, few, uh, a, a certain amount of time for the light the laser light to travel from here to Saturn and then when I, once I get there my consciousness bloop, 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 I'm inside another biological body then I want to have lunch on the moon with Emery and Jacob so I shoot my consciousness back over to the moon I have another body there I don't know instead of cars maybe we have all these bodies I don't know there's lots of just crazy different things science fiction-y that may turn into reality but I don't know man these synthetic organs they, they seem very promising Mm -hmm. um, and so back to what you were saying before yeah. um, with like transferring consciousness, I guess you would say. Mm. So say, say you have a young person just died um, by getting shot in the heart, right? Yeah. Or about to die, brain yeah. still functioning, yeah. but their organs are about to fail. Mm. They're losing all of this blood. But then you have this synthetic, synthetic body. Mm. Um, will, what if you could end up being able to transfer their brain, their consciousness, because it's still good and it's not what's dying, but it's your, their body that's dying. Cloning. And give them a whole new body yeah. of the fake things. And then you, that could, if we get to that point, that could save a lot of lives that um, die from, from things. That'd be kind of like cloning conscience. Well, maybe, maybe not. We don't know if it's cloning. Um, well, we... You know, fundamentally, it may be cloning because to transfer it, you have to be able to scan all of it and basically kind of make a copy. So maybe, maybe it's make. So we don't know about that actually. We don't know if when we transfer consciousness, is it just making a copy or are we just 
actually moving through some type of substrate, mm-hmm. right? In Star Trek, they be you know beam me down, Scotty. Like they're able to teleport from um, the ship to the ground. People got mad because they're like, oh. You're killing a character every time you transport them. And you have no way of knowing if, if it's actually you or if it's like nobody else has a way of knowing that if it's supposed <coughs> to be exactly like you. This all depends on physicalism. Are we all in this brain? Is everything that we are in this body or do we have some connection to another dimension or to even another dimension or, do, or is our consciousness connected to some type of God or some type of whatever, right? So to be able to transfer this, unless God allows us or something like that, but it, it's fundamentally based off of physicalism that all of us is in this, or sorry, I had to say it, I'm like in this brain right here, uh, which mm, I, I, I believe to be true. Um, or I hope to be true so we can have BCIs and all that stuff, right? Um, and virtual immersion, that would be absolutely awesome. Uh, so yeah, it definitely depends on that physicalism, but that that's gonna extend so many human lives and that's gonna, I mean, that's what the whole goal of medicine is anyway, right? Or, I mean, it's to extend human life, to make people continuing to be healthy, to keep you as long as alive. As long as possible. Yeah. As long as possible. So um, this has been a big thing on the Enlightened Brothers podcast, Turk, but uh, I'm going to ask you this, and I'm going to back away, but must we subject ourselves to death? Um, well, I know from speaking with you off um off camera yeah. before yeah you um believe that one day we'll be able to maybe download our minds into the cloud is what you're talking about yeah. and theoretically be immortal mm-hmm. um now maybe that's i believe that's a really big i don't know i don't know if that's a stretch because a, a lot of people couldn't even imagine having computers in your hand yeah a lot of people can't even couldn't even imagine living past the age of 20 but yeah, yeah exactly so we really don't know mm-hmm. that's the thing but myself, with my limited human mind, yeah. it's very hard for me to imagine mm-hmm. that we'll be able to do anything um, to not be, to not end up dying one day. Yeah. Um, at first, physically. I, yeah. At first, I did think about immortality, um, but to clarify, just because of entropy, I don't know if our consciousness can. There's no way our consciousness can last forever. Okay. Entropy at at some point is gonna break down. I don't think we have to subject ourselves to a biological death. I don't think that whatever happens, maybe it's in the mitochondria, or, because we know death, we figured it out now, is just the deterioration of cells or something. It's us stop, we're not working anymore. I don't think we have to subject ourselves to that. I don't think we have to. I don't think we have to subject ourselves to, um, like you said, if we get shot, shot in the heart or something, maybe we can transfer our, our consciousness over to another being. I don't think we have to subject ourselves to a biological death. But let me ask you this, though, because a lot of people think this is crazy. But as a doctor, your whole thing is saving lives. Your, the whole yeah. thing of medicine is to keep people alive as much as possible. So, like, do you think being a doctor is push, pushing you away from this, the other focus of we should die? How, yeah. how do those things go hand in hand? Yeah, that's, that's actually a great question. Yep. Um, I believe that if there's anything we can do to expand the human life, yeah. we should do that. Okay. But then you have to also think about all these other things. If we might change them from how they've always been, okay. what if something that has always been uh, fundamental to us changes also? Yeah, what we may not be the same anymore if we do these things that aren't 
I guess becoming less natural. Human. Yeah, becoming less human. So less, or what's the what's what is it so bad if would it be so bad to become transhuman? I don't know if it's bad. You could you could say that we're transhuman now. Like cavemen back in the day didn't have freaking antibiotics and didn't have all of these things because it's all technology. People just have a bias because that technology is cre- is maybe a computer or that technology is created in a lab. People have biases, but at the end of the day, a wheel is technology. Medicine is technology. So as time goes on, if the paradigm of humanity is this biological being, I mean, there is some sort of defined state. From a maybe we're becoming less human, less human over time. From a religious perspective, I don't think so. Okay. Because um, Jesus, Jesus allowed a blind man to see. Okay. Um, so maybe you could say that medicine is a blessing. Mm-hmm. And so these are just men bestowing blessings upon other men. Okay, but how is that different than going from how? Like, what is? The, I don't see. I still, and this is just me. I don't see a difference between manipulating the biology or biological and digital. Like, I mean, medicine at the end of the day is manipulating our biology in a certain perspective. I mean, what does a vaccine do? Does or what does a vaccine do? It, Maybe it's a, the addition of other facets that we don't naturally possess, not the improvement of them. Because brain chips it, would be an addition. It's not like we would naturally evolve and get brain chips over time. Yeah, but I mean, mm, but people have people in the medicinal world, don't they have implants? They we take vitamins, right? We're adding vitamin D to our like. I, I still do not see the discrepancy. I don't see it. I don't see it one bit. I don't know. I mean, because like. We take vitamins and pills and stuff. We're adding this stuff to our... All of these things are also natural. They're also, like... We have, like, the vitamins we take Mm -hmm. are naturally found in this world. The medicine that we um, take, like, to cure a headache or something, it's naturally found in this world. So... And how is code (coughs) unnatural? How how is computers unnatural? No, that's the thing. So, um, I guess also from an... Another like um, religious view. Yeah. Um, all that we, all the advances that we will be able to make, yeah. um, was created, um, like as a possibility. Okay. We just have to discover. Like we can use as much as we were given. Right. To get as far as we can. Right. Because if we weren't able to do something, then we will never do it. Okay. Yeah. Does that I make see, sense? Yeah. No. It, it makes sense. We if. All of if it's a possibility, then it's win- within the realm of something that we could do. Yeah. If it's impossible, and I don't know, that's how that's what my whole future is based off of. My thing in physics, aside from the art, is proving the impossible. So, I mean, some people may say it's impossible to fur- fully immerse your consciousness into a video game. Eh, bet, right? <laughs> like, I think it may be possible one day. Um, but this is interesting, and this is why, even though we don't want to repeat topics all the time, I want to bring in every person that comes in here, brings in a new perspective on this, and this is like a, a big thing, and this is something that like me and Emery have talked about for a long time on this show. It's like, it's like who defines natural? Who defines like what is human? Who defines all of these things? It's interesting. Emery asked what the the question of what is a human earlier, so. I don't know. It's a very interesting perspective. All I can say is, without innovation, humanity would have been, um, what's the word? 
Well, one word is dead. No, not dead. Um, extinct. Okay, yeah. That, a yeah. long time ago. Oh, yeah. So sure. innovation is a natural, that's natural to humanity. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's, that's a super interesting point, man. I guess, yeah. I, I guess whatever, everything that we have has to technically be natural. Because that's kind of what you were saying, what I guess. What I say is natural is within the laws of physics. Mm, yeah, yeah, because I guess anything that we can do, we got from... It's not like we just created it. Like right. It's not like we just appeared it in our hand. We've gotten it from this earth. Exactly. It came from something. And because of that, I think what people say... When people say we're becoming less human, I mean, I guess you could say that. But I think that sort of functions from fear. It functions from our uncomfortable... It, it functions from people being uncomfortable and changing what what the it's the caveman principle it's we don't we we like what we have now we're content it's some sort of like serotonin like thing i don't know it's we don't want to we we resist change we don't want to get on to this different paradigm yeah super interesting though super interesting yeah and does that kind of wrap up what you yeah, wanted to bring yeah, up? Yeah, no, that's pretty much topic. it's pretty much all I wanted to talk about. You know, yeah. it's just the possibilities within well, bef- medicine. Yeah, before we go on, how does this affect your job in the future? Yeah, so um, I guess technology-wise, we were talking about before. Mm-hmm. Who knows if soon robots will be able to take care of humans? Right. Um, one thing that I think is very important in a doctor's job yeah. is sympathy okay we i think one reason why so many doctors are motivated yeah. is because they're sympathetic towards others yeah um and until i guess we figure out consciousness mm-hmm. and emotions and things like that will will a robot that can maybe perform this surgery like a human can yeah. will they be able to be motivated by the same thing mm, that's interesting. so um and mm. um Technology has malfunctions also. Humans yeah. make mistakes. Yeah. Um, but one thing that is so important, I think, is the sympathy. Yeah. It's another human life that you're taking care I think of. And that, I don't think AI would be able to perform miracles. Because, you know, maybe they'll see that a heart rate is declining and they've exhausted all their options. So uh, that's what they'll leave it yeah. there like there's nowhere to go. But maybe a human, like, even though the option doesn't seem like it would work, like maybe there is that zero percent chance of probability, but there it just it does end up working due to a miracle. Yeah, you know, like some humans will take that extra step. Yeah, some may say it's an, and that's and that goes all the way down to the fundamental point of what is reality. Because a science, a pure scientist, would just tell you straight to your face. There is no such thing as a miracle, mm-hmm. only mathematical probability. Therefore, maybe the robot still tries it because there's still a probability. If you tell the robot, do everything you can to keep this person alive, then it would exhaust that possibility as well. But if there are miracles that happen at this 0% chance of probability, then you're absolutely 100% right. So that, like, the only debate there is, like, what is reality? Does it function off of these Maybe miracles things? are those virtual particles you were talking about we don't know we don't we don't know it make comes back to the very first question we had is like 
what is there outside of our reality that we don't understand? Yeah, because mm-hmm. so, if there aren't mir- like if there aren't miracles in medicine, because there have been many things that have happened that nobody has been able to describe yeah. in medicine. Yeah. So if that if miracles aren't a thing and you can't explain it, then yeah, yeah what is it? Right. Yeah, no, that that's interesting. And I mean, by the people, I fear for cer- certain medical uh, careers, but like with surgeons and stuff like that. By the time, well, I know Neuralink, the BCI is already done by a robot surgeon, but like once robots replace surgeons across the board, then we're gonna have to find another thing for humans to do. Like, but I always talk about the balancing shift between work and leisure. Work used to be up here, leisure used to be down here. It goes, so maybe it comes to a point where humans never have to work again. Maybe work is what gives us purpose. Maybe our next job is, I mean, Maybe it goes from all this stuff, why is there Star Wars? All these different technologies. Now humans and creatures are able to just explore the universe. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's our next thing to do. So there's all these different possibilities, and I don't know. We'll see. We don't know where AI stops. Maybe it doesn't stop. I guess one last thing, just going back to your question. For my job in the future, I don't believe that if those advances are made, I don't believe that robots and AI will take over the medical industry in my lifetime. Okay. If it does, then I really hope that there's <laughs> other things that I can find. If it does that that quick, then I think it'll be set up to a point where maybe we all just live in a virtual reality, virtual realities or something, or maybe we just all explore the universe, or there's going to be something. It may be the golden age of fun. Maybe we don't need work anymore. Maybe we don't need money, all that, da-da-da-da-do. Maybe we just do what is fun to us. And, you know, who, who knows? Who knows? That's, that's such a crazy point. I really need some time. To, I think about it a lot, but I really need even more time to sit and think about what would we do if AI displaces every single job. Yeah. Some people just say, oh, it's going to create more jobs. I don't really agree with that because, I mean, <laughs> what if those more jobs that are created in AI can just do? So... Who knows? That's why some people say AI is the evolutionary child of humanity. Mm. So um, this uh, this episode, well, all right, I don't know which is going to be uploaded first. So yeah. a little bit of uh, background. Yeah. Um, Sun Tzu, uh, a Chinese um, general of the past and a philosopher, he wrote this book called The Art of War, which is was basically outlining what a general or a commander would need to instruct his army and take the route that you you need you would need to be victorious mm-hmm. but um not all of this is like strictly a war book because a lot of the things in here you can take in a philo- philosophical um, way and you can form your own notions about them you can form your own opinions and that's what we're doing in this second part of the thing mm-hmm. so um part 2 or chapter two of the art of war is called waging wars. All right, so uh, since it's gonna be bite-sized, this is kind of a long chapter, but I'll just uh, gather three main points that were made in this, and we'll have a discussion about it. So uh, point number one, word for word, bar for bar. Sun Tzu said, in the operations of war, where there are there are in the field a thousand swift chariots, as many heavy chariots, and a hundred thousand mail-clad chariot soldiers. With provisions enough to carry a thousand li, which was their um, currency back then, mm-hmm. the expenditure at home and the f- at the front, including entertainment of guests, small items such as glue and paint, and some spent on chariots and armor, 
will reach the total of a thousand ounces of silver per day. Such is the cost of raising an army of a thousand, a hundred thousand men. So, the real importance in that point is the final sentence. Such is the cost in raising an army of a hundred thousand men. Everything that was listed before, a soldier won't need when they're at war. Mm -hmm. But soldiers have lives. People think of soldiers as you know, no. serving their country. Yeah, yeah, serving their country being there to support but do we really think about like like when you see on the news like soldiers killed in afghanistan yeah you just think oh soldiers people who are out protecting us you don't you don't think about their individual lives yeah you think about them as like nodes in a computer game exactly yeah these people who all had their existences and they led their own individual lives just as we did but they're reduced to that one title such is the cost of raising an army of 100,000 men. That speaks volumes because everything listed before is not something that you bring into war. It's something that they brought into their life. It's something that was part of their homes. It's what made up that army of 100,000 men. Each of those 100,000 men had their own lives, had their own existences, and they all collaborated under, they all united under one common goal, which was to serve whatever they're serving, and be victorious in the art of warfare. Mm -hmm. So uh, my question to you guys, what do you think? What do you think is wrong with how we perceive war and the actual people that go to war? Hmm. It may be what Jacob was talking about earlier with the sympathy thing. Well, hmm, is that wrong, though? I, I wonder if there's a question between if you just look at it like a, a computer game, if you take lives into account, out of account, will you have a higher chance of winning? Or is what's wrong with it that we implement feelings? Mm. Maybe is what's wrong with war is that we put feelings into it, and the fact that we use these feelings is why we may lose a war. Yeah. That's hard to say, though, because, you know, you kind of have to implement these feelings yeah. people aren't gonna sign up for an army to fight if nobody cares about their lives yeah exactly so if they're if you just see them as little army plastic toys that are just going into fight yeah then are you gonna really win if you don't value each person right um so. that's exactly correct because <coughs> excuse me every individual person has their own strengths yeah they have their own story and they have everything that they're good at like um even in video games like Call of Duty, mm -hmm. like everybody's on a team, but you're always going to see that one person dropping the highest number of kills on the scoreboard. Right. Mm -hmm. But um, not on the scoreboard, on the leaderboard. But um, even in war, I'm sure there are people that are going crazy, dropping a high amount of kills on the enemy side. Yeah. But we don't hear about them. Sometimes we do because maybe that's because they like died in, at the war and like statistics come out later right. saying how many um, – um, confirm kills that they actually had right but these are all just lost stories we really don't take into account regardless of how good they were at um, killing how good they were at recon how good they were at um collecting information whatever they did in the military mm -hmm. we just see them as a soldier somebody serving not who they are and yeah. what ba sun tzu is basically saying here is that we need to be aware of everybody's capabilities. We need to be aware of everybody's stories. 
Maybe not specifically because, you know, 100,000 men, you mm -hmm. can't know everybody. Yeah. But you have to be aware that we're, they're all different. Yeah. But we're, they all have one united goal. Mm -hmm. And through those differences is where you can find victory. Hmm. All right. That's a bar right Point there. number one. Okay. Uh, number two. When you get, engage in actual fighting, if victory is long in coming, then men's weapons will grow dull and their ardor will be dampened. If you lay siege to a town, you will exhaust your strength. Basically, what this says, well, there's this one specific part I want to focus on. If victory is long in coming, then men's weapons will grow dull and their ardor will be dampened. You see this a lot, like you heard stories of like people being in the trenches, mm -hmm. like getting sick, catching, um, um, what's it called, trench foot? Trench foot. Yeah. yeah, and like morale uh, lessening throughout everybody. Yeah. This is saying, this is kind of more war specific, but this is saying that to be victorious, you can't play that waiting game because there are too many variables to account for in all of the men that um, you can't depend on them being able to handle those exhausting conditions that war, that war uh, brings about. And you can see this in society. Um, people that maybe like are feeling depressed Mm -hmm. And, like, they feel like they want a solution now, which may, they may think is, like, killing themselves or something like that. Right. They want to get out of that situation now because they can't handle it. Right. This is basically saying to confront conflict, you need to go straight at it. And you can't play that waiting game because there are too, there are too many things to take into account, uh, into consideration where – That's where loss can be found. But you can't rush it, though, mm -hmm. because of the next sentence. Is that what the next sentence is saying? Yeah. If you lay siege to a town, you will exhaust your strength. If you go in too, too, too fast, too hard, too much momentum, exactly. you'll, you'll lose it all in one moment? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. you need to find a good general, a good commander needs to find that sweet spot in the middle where, you know, not everything is coming at you too fast and you're not going at it too fast yeah. where – You're just riding the wave. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, mm -hmm. the, that peak of the peak of the standard model curve or the standard curve. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know that. I think that one's direct. That one's good. Yeah. That's good. That's a good point right yeah, there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And the final point in this bite-sized summary of this chapter is: it is only one who is thoroughly acquainted with the evils of war that can thoroughly understand the profitable way of carrying it on. You have to understand that life is not easy and life is unpredictable to be under to be able to make rational decisions and choices that will work out for you. Because if you go through the world like living happy go lucky, you this is like what I would say, you need that little bit of pessimism to see the world for how it really is. But that's not saying to be sad all the time. That's just to know that things are wrong and but there's the opportunity for those things to change right what do you guys think about that um yeah there's definitely a lot of evil in this world um yeah i never thought about it that way you never as you go through life you never see the reality of it if you um i guess only look at the good things because um i guess seeing some of the bad things makes you value different things more in life um You see that people are being killed because of like their race or something, yeah. and then you kind of realize like, dang, I'm um, lucky to live where I live. Um, 
with the freedoms that I have or just the situations we're putting, we realize people um, in third world countries aren't eating as well as we are. Right. And then we can really value that in life. So that is true. I never thought about it that way. You yeah. do need a, a little bit. I think the overarching theme is value mechanism is what we attribute value to. If you say good is high value, bad is low value. This whole, this whole field of this whole information landscape of values is what allows us to function through life. That's why we have money. That's why I think money is fundamental. So yeah, I think it's a value landscape that makes everything, it makes us be able to choose, make choices. And this is exactly what the phrase ignorance is bliss is based off of. Okay. What you do not know cannot hurt you. So if you forcefully choose for yourself to ignore those evil things, those bad things in life, then of course you're gonna be happy, but that's not true happiness. So you need to be knowing to know what's good for you. Couldn't say it any better, my brother. Yes, sir. So uh, there was a lot more to cover in that chapter, but due to the time constraints, we gotta sum it up right there. I think that was a pretty good. Um, that was perfect. Yeah, pretty good summary of the chapter. Yeah. So. All right, man. But we're not done. All right. Philosophy's a bit serious. So we gonna get a little delirious with you. Give me a beat. Oh, and Jacob, you spin it too. Freestyle? Grab that mic. Bro, I can't. Grab that <laughs> mic. This is J. Cole Wet Dreams <coughs> Instrumental by Slime Honey. It's starting in three, two, yeah. one. Episode, uh, episode, uh, let me take y'all back to the place where I've been, where I never seen, where is him, where am I, who is you, what is why, the art of war, I'm waging wars, your friend he's really poor, maybe you should buy him a sandwich, and a kiss, Valentine's Day, hey, I'm hanging with my bae And I got something to say And I find it kinda crazy that uh, yeah. you wanna be with me yeah. But I am feeling so wheezy yeah. But not like easy cause that is yay Him and Kim, that's not okay Cause they're about to split Banana split yeah. I'ma sit, I'ma rip, let it rip No Beyblade, yeah But I'm sitting under the patio on this clean day Yeah, yeah. Take it back to the day, A. 
Cold yeah. world, take it back to hey. the day. Uh-huh. Killing with my what? homies every day. Wait, not really. <laughs> I'm not killing nobody. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. And we sliding. Wait. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Cold world. Yeah. Cold world. Cold world. Yeah. Cold world. Cold world. Yeah. Cold. Yeah. Cold. Yeah. Cold. Yeah. Jacob, he about to spit. I was trying to get into it, but I couldn't think of one. I did it, diggity split. Yeah. yeah. Turk, Turk, what you got to say, man? Rip, huh? Yeah. yeah. Flame spit, yeah. We sent a tall, yeah. like some trees. He, yeah. Can't nobody uh. touch me. Hey, hey huh? We're going up. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, we're going up. Yeah. Huh? We can't touch. Huh? <laughs> you had it, though. You you, you spitting, though. You had it. You had it. You had it. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. yeah. He got it now. Yeah. He got it. Wow. Yeah. And he got it wow huh? and he got it wow and he got it wow i can't get down never gonna frown yeah huh? and yeah. we talking about no ah dang this thing yeah. hard bro yeah. yeah yeah i'm going to brown never be frowned hey going uptown hey yeah yeah huh? new york city hey. see them lights flashing hey. yeah hey yeah yeah hey. lights camera action that boy wow yeah and he make me really proud yeah Going to Granny's house, getting him really mad. Uh. See, you're smoking all of them black and mouse. Yeah. But you know, my Granny not a smoker. She just play poker, hanging with her choker on her neck. Yeah. And I'm playing with my deck. What? Yugi, yo, what's about to happen next? Uh. Ah. Yeah. Yeah, playing with the deck. Yeah. yeah. Pokemon hey. said hey. I'm playing with the deck. Yeah. Uh. Pokemon said yeah. I'm playing with the deck. Gotta huh? catch them all, nigga. Yeah, I'm playing with Pika, that Pika, deck. Pika, yeah. huh? Pikachu, yeah. 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 He never fruit, yeah. yeah. Cruising word, yeah. yeah. I'm gonna yeah. 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 grew, yeah. Catch them all, yeah. Catch them all, what? Catch them all, what? Catch them all, yeah. I'ma catch them all. I'ma hit up the strip mall. I'ma play some fall guys while I'm hanging with my ball guys. Yeah, yeah. Ball. Okay, spit. We're, going up. <laughs> We're getting going. money. Yeah. No, this isn't sweet. This not honey. What? Yes, sir. Yeah. We going down. Yeah. Not what you already yeah. said that yeah i yeah. don't care what <laughs> get these bars what oh i twist my hair yeah hey getting bars yeah getting bars yeah yeah bars yeah, yeah. that's your yeah. sweet like honey yeah greet like money yeah. yeah hey and we're gonna get this money hey. yeah yeah hey. and we're gonna get, get this money, money. Yeah. hey yeah yeah, yeah. we're gonna get this money yeah, yeah. Riding to the Dang. end of the beat. There's yeah. 10 seconds left. Nah, this shit ain't sweet. Yeah, yeah. we gonna get with it. We gonna get with it. Hey. Yeah, man, it's the Lighting Brothers, man. Stick with it. Gang! Let's go! Y'all heard Turk slid too. Turk slid too, man. Hey. Jacob, I don't even know the last. When's the last time you even done a freestyle, hey. man? Yeah, this is his first freestyle. Yeah. He killed it, man. Yeah, and that's some, what we like to see. Look, man. I put out some mid today. I'm not going to lie. It, it don't matter, man. Hey, no paper, man. Only money, man. Let's mm. go. Mm. You know, f- big freestyle, man. This is absolutely amazing episode. Episode, eh. Jacob, I tell you, I appreciate you for coming here. We didn't even have everything set up. Oh, Jacob. And, secret message. What oh, yeah. We have a secret today? message. What should the secret message be? Um... The secret message to the viewers. Yeah, what should they comment down below? Oh. Um, can you explain? So we just, there's a secret message at a random point in the podcast, and they comment, if they're still listening, they just comment this sentence down. So just say a phrase. Oh, it's like this, we're at the end. Yeah. Oh, if you got to the end of this point, down below, comments, 
Reality. Reality. That's it. Yeah. Reality, Reality baby. Reality. Jacob, how have you enjoyed your Enlightened Brothers experience? You know, it was great, man. I know they got a lot of guests, but if y'all ever want me back, just hit me up. Oh, yeah. Yes, hey. sir. That's what's fun. Jacob, one thing I can say about him is there's a lot of people in this world that they do a lot of complaining, and they are all there's a lot of friction. They're, they're very static. They can't undergo change. Jacob is one of the most malleable people that I've ever met. He goes, he not, he's not, it's not going just, it's not really just going with the flow. It's just adapting to new situations, adapting to new environments. Jacob is definitely one of the people he's just an easy person to have around. Jacob's and, the definition yeah. of just vibe. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's just, just he's vibe. just going along with it. And like I said, like he was just, I mean, other yeah. than when he's eating a day. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. He's Jacob is more primed to go through change than anybody else because whatever the is going on in his body is always changing. He's always taking these. He's always taking these massive, making everything smell terrible. Jacob is probably one of the worst smelling people I know, and he needs to stop. He needs to stop eating these boiled eggs, man. Hey, Jacob's a and we love him, man. Hey, don't bring hey, that bullshit in my house. Nigga. Yeah, he's not coming back. Hey, man, fuck? it's been the Enlightened Brothers. Peace. Adios.